0: Section Thirty Four of Letters from Victorian Pioneers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letters from Victorian Pioneers. Edward Bell from Wymera. Number Thirty Four. I arrived in Sydney from London in the latter end of September, eighteen thirty-nine the weather was very hot the glare very great the dust abominable i knew no one and i was glad to get out of it without loss of time i had read the treatises on sheep and cattle in the library of useful knowledge and had endeavoured to gain some information respecting colonial life from major mitchell's travels in australia mr wows three years experience and dr lang's new south wales all which works i had industriously pursued on the voyage beyond this my general information regarding livestock was limited to a confused knowledge of sheep by their distinctive titles of rams weathers and ewes and a vague idea of cattle as heifers cows bulls and oxen and as beasts that had horns and made a great bellowing but i am not sure that i could have distinguished any of either description of animal on view i had however acting under the advice of certain prudent relatives in england fully determined on entering on pastoral pursuits or what i found was called in the colony going into stock and had armed myself with letters of introduction to several gentlemen who had emigrated a short time before me with similar views amongst these was one from mr alex hunter of edinburgh whom i had met in london to Messrs. Watson and Hunter, who had sailed shortly before me, and who were amply supplied with means to form large stations. I had an indistinct idea that Port Phillip was to be the field of their operations, and a much more indefinite one of how I was to get there. Some inquiries, however, in Sydney, brought me the gratifying intelligence that Mr. Watson was himself in the Sydney district at the time, though out of town at that moment, and i was further informed he was on the point of starting with an expedition for fort philip in which i made up my mind to join if possible i accordingly purchased a horse off a sydney dealer as a preliminary step and in five days from my landing had made all the necessary arrangements with mr watson for my forming one of his party we left sydney i think on the third of october and we travelled by easy stages till we reached Sutton Forest, where we overtook Mr. Alec Hunter, who had gone on before with the drays and horse stock. From this place we went on to Lake George, on the other side of which a property had been purchased for the sole purposes of procuring some assigned servants, of whom we had twenty in the expedition. In this neighborhood I bought about three hundred head of cattle, and made an agreement with mr watson to run them with his stock giving him half the increase for two years and the benefit of my services during that time i recollect nothing particular about the country we passed through except that the bush was very thick and that i was always afraid of losing myself if i left the road or was out of sight of my companions for a moment we had also about four hundred head of cattle bought from a Mrs. Barton at Barama, with which we fortunately got a stockman given in, named Little Sam, which, considering our intense greenness and the uselessness of most of the convict servants, who were just turned out of government, was of great consequence. Paddy's River, Yas, and other well-known localities were passed, and we eventually encamped on the Tumut, where some six hundred more cattle, with a run, had been purchased, which, to add to our trouble, had the character of being the wildest brutes in the colony. Here our party divided Mr. Alec Hunter, Mr. Tula, and the Honorable Gilbert Kennedy went on to Melbourne with the horses. Mr. Watson returned to Sydney to wind up some incomplete arrangements whilst i remained with the cattle at the tumut where we formed a station on the gilmore creek here i added to my fortunes one hundred picked heifers which were strongly recommended by the vendor mr shelley and also by mr watson whose interested motives in advertising the purchase of female stock i was too gullible to see through at the time my position at the tumut with my twenty government men about one thousand two hundred head of cattle and about thirty horses in a country with which i was totally unacquainted may perhaps be conceived but it is difficult to describe i was very much afraid of losing my cattle and therefore tried to keep them within sight counting them regularly every day which considering that more than half were broken into the run was an absurdity which nothing but experience convinced me of for when we wished to remove them, about six weeks after, it was found to be impossible, with our insufficient help, to drive them off the run, and we consequently formed a permanent station at Gilmore Creek, a tributary of the Tumut, where we left the cattle till the next year. The vast herds which were traveling from Sydney district, and the possibility of the Melbourne markets being overstocked, coupled with the difficulties of the road from the flooded state of the rivers, confirmed us in this decision. My troubles as a squatter commenced very early in my career. The great scarcity of flour, during the summer of 1839, was felt all over the colony, but in no part more so than in the interior, where it was selling at 60 pounds a ton even at government house in sydney it was said that lady gipps was restricted in her supplies for pastry for some weeks our food at the tumut was confined to beef and milk and a little rice but the incessant grumbling of the men at last induced me to send a cart to yas for flour the tumut was flooded at the time but i had seen a horseman cross and ventured over myself at the same place a hurdle was lashed on the dray on which the bedding of the two men who were to accompany it was placed and with three horses harnessed to it it went boldly into the stream after me the leading horse about half way across turned down the stream and in a moment the cart was afloat and soon capsized drowning the two other horses and nearly drowning the two men on the hurdle the one was a fine swimmer and swam out to the leading horse and eventually released him from his harness the other clung to a log and was hauled ashore by a rope about ten minutes afterwards a few days after this the river having partially subsided and the grumbling continuing unabated a second attempt was made but at another crossing-place and with only one horse the same occurrence took place again except that the horse swam for a quarter of a mile down the river with the cart after him and was not drowned till a log turned the cart over and rendered him helpless the driver who remained till then on his seat on the hurdle up to his neck in water calling out to me he was done like a dinner three hundred pounds worth of horse-flesh went in these adventures i then bought a team of bullocks and eventually procured a ton of flour from yas which lasted the party till it reached melbourne an overseer was then engaged, and the cattle delivered into his care, and on the 24th December Mr. Watson and I started in a tandem for Fort Phillip. Near the Murray we broke both shafts, and had to take to our saddles, leaving the remains of the gig and several valuables, amongst others my writing case and journals, at an outstation hut of Mr. Cockburn's to be sent on by the drays. Of course i never saw any part of them again on arriving at the murray we overtook several expeditions which were waiting for favorable opportunity to cross there were said to be ten thousand head of cattle on its banks in various mobs messrs bolden had crossed several hundreds that day and at night we camped with our party on the ovens we overtook others the natives had attacked some parties in this neighbourhood during the previous summer and the places were pointed out to us where faithful's men were murdered and where snodgrass had had a stand-up fight with the blacks my own experience of the natives at this time led me to suppose that they were a very inoffensive race for all i had seen had been the bogong blacks on the tumut who came down in the summer from the ranges sleek and lazy from the grub or fly of that name which infests that part of the country i think they were the handsomest natives i have ever seen at all events they were the best conditioned on the ovens however we saw none a party of mounted police was stationed at the broken river who entertained us as they appeared to do all travellers for a consideration the country was all so far settled although we saw no signs of it either by meeting with human habitations or with sheep or cattle. If the country was stocked, the stock fed off the road, but we heard the names of Barber, Mitchell, Fowler, W. A. Broadrib, Faithful, McKay, Docker, Binney, Speed, and Anderson, as occupants of the various runs through which we passed. At Templeton's, on the Seven Creeks, mr watson left me to go up to the devil's river which he and mr hunter had occupied during the previous spring i remained for a few days at ballora a station mr hunter had formed on templeton's creek about three miles above him but which was about being abandoned for the better country of the devil's river and mount battery i accordingly proceeded alone to the settlement as the city of melbourne was in those days called stopping at Hughes hamilton's at the sugar-loaf and at a mr george's in kinlechu and eventually reached keelor where messrs watson and hunter had their headquarters at the time there were no particular charms in melbourne in those days beyond the champagne lunches which always accompanied the sales by auction and of which i partook with others though i never bought any land one cannot help reflecting on the narrow escape from making a fortune which daily fell in one's way when we look at the properties which were to be had for a few pounds at the time now bringing in thousands per annum however i was never destined to do this and i soon returned to the bush and devoted myself to learning my trade as a squatter a serious illness which attacked me at mount battery however threw impediments in my way i was confined to my bed with bilious fever for several weeks and on my recovery went back to melbourne from whence by the advice of the medical men i went by sea to sydney a few weeks nursing at Parramatta restored me to health and in may i returned to melbourne in the cumberland chartered by mr dutton i was then about proceeding in her to valparaiso to buy horses and had secured my passage when the news of a bad sale of South American horse stock in Sydney deterred us from entering into the speculation, and I went back again with Mr. Hunter to Sydney to make further purchases of horses and cattle, taking some 16,000 pounds with us for the purpose. After a few days' delay I accompanied Mr. Terence Murray to his station near Quien Bayan to attend a large sale in which he was interested, and to purchase cattle if I thought it advisable. Failing in getting what I liked, for I had by this time become a judge of stock, I went on to the Tumut, to collect our leavings of the previous year, where I was shortly after joined by Mr. Hunter and his cousins with more cattle and horses. We had altogether about two thousand head, and about seventy horses, with which we again started for Fort Phillip, and after many losses and crosses eventually formed our main cattle station on the upper part of the broken river about four miles above the station at present in the occupation of mr john moore from the broken river to the devil's river crossing the mount battery plains a distance of about twenty miles the whole country was claimed and stocked by messrs watson and hunter messrs stevens and thompson were camped upon the broken river about three miles above the cattle station, but only remained until they had shorn their sheep when they moved towards the westward. During the winter that I remained at the Devil's River, I was a witness of the fatal effects of Qatar on sheep. The climate was very severe, the frosts and fogs frequently lasting all day. The sheep could not be let out of the yards on many days until noon how the disease came into that neighborhood if it is really contagious i do not know but if any climate could produce it i am sure that of the devil's river in eighteen forty was quite trying enough i have seen as many as five hundred sheep dead at the yards in a single night there were some settlers who had come with a few sheep above us on the devil's river i think their names were mcfarlane and mitchell their loss was more severe than messrs watson and hunter's we used to fancy that the river was affected by their throwing the carcasses into the stream though this is not probable as they were sixteen or twenty miles above us and the river was a considerable one during this year i formed one of a party consisting of mr alec hunter mr archibald jameson an overseer and a black fellow named pigeon who was afterwards drowned at the wreck of the Salt House, that started to find a road into Gippsland for stock, which Strzelecki's discovery had just opened as a field for Port Phillip enterprise. We ascended what we took for a leading range into the southwest of Mount Bueller, but found ourselves in a most difficult succession of gullies, in which we struggled for eighteen days and eventually camped on the headwaters of the Latrobe. My horse had met with an accident in falling down a steep bank, and I remained with Pigeon at our camp on the river, while my companions went on to see what they could of the new country. In three days they returned, having reached a rich plain and fine herbage, I conclude part of the run afterwards occupied by Mr. Reeve. On our return we got upon a leading range in right good earnest— which in two days took us back to the head of the gilbourne but the descent was considered too steep for stock and the idea of bringing a herd by that route was abandoned mr tyers afterwards tried to follow on our returning tracks but lost his horses and gave up the attempt to reach gippsland from that entrance and i am not aware that it has yet been considered practicable the time was now drawing near when my agreement with mr watson was about expiring and i was most anxious for it as i found that cattle in halves was not a profitable speculation to the proprietor an attempt had been made to muster the whole herd in march but it proved ineffectual and it was not till october that i eventually got delivery of my stock i now made an agreement with mr riley of the wannon to put my cattle on his run, he undertaking to hand his heifer station over to me if we did not continue to keep our cattle together. And early in November 1841 I left the Devil's River and drove my herd to Melbourne, where I sold all the butchers would buy, and, after providing myself with a dray and stores, started for the West with the remainder, somewhere about three hundred head. We passed by La Lal booninyong baileys and mount emu which country was all occupied right and left of us and crossed the plains to lake boloke which was the only vacant spot i saw wise alasky was at the crossing-place of the hopkins where his station now is dr martin under the guidance of mr james manning who had sold his cattle with the condition that he was to find a run for them had occupied mount sturgeon the station being at the time under the charge of mr knowles beyond him to the west of the wannon was mr Barnett, now churnsides and next to him was mr riley where my headquarters were for twelve months during this time i saw a good deal of the surrounding country at the grange a police magistrate mr french was establishing himself and in the month of june of the same year I had the honor of being appointed a magistrate, and assisted him regularly on the bench. Mr. Riley's station had been occupied by a Mr. Gibson, whose wife was famous for some extraordinary journeys she made to Melbourne, accompanied by a single male attendant, was abandoned by him, and afterwards taken up by a Mr. Norris, who suffered so severely from depredations committed by the blacks that he had also given it up the natives had however by all accounts been taught some severe lessons and had learnt to be better behaved but they were still what was usually termed in the bush very troublesome we had in the meantime occupied englefield on the glenelg as our heifer station and had erected the necessary improvements there but we found that the natives continually intimidated the men and whilst absent from the hut had occasionally stolen their rations, and it was eventually determined to give up the heifer-tailing scheme, and the station was abandoned. Dr. Edward Barker, who had come into that neighborhood on my recommendation, immediately occupied it. A few months' residence there, and a partnership which he had in the meantime formed with Mr. Riley, induced him to sell it back to me for the value of the improvements, fifty pounds, and in the summer of eighteen forty two i again took possession of it my cattle had in the meantime discovered other country for themselves on the head of bryan's creek but the arrival of mr cadden previously an overseer of mr john hunter patterson's with sheep and cattle soon dislodged them mr archdale next came in between me and the wannon with sheep and cattle of mr hyde of the green hills near bacchus marsh and eventually under the orders of captain Fiennes, the crown commissioner i was hemmed in within very moderate bounds the jealousy with which we heard of the arrival of any one in our neighbourhood notwithstanding the vast tracts of land that we each laid claim to was one of the remarkable features of our early settlement i recollect my stockkeeper coming in one evening with a story of a dray track across the kongbool plain as it was called about eight miles to the southward and some coffee spilt along it and soon after finding we had a neighbour in a mr mather a carpenter from melbourne with a few sheep who was soon after killed by the falling of a tree near his hut he was known in consequence as the coffee merchant till his death there was no one at this time above me on the glenelg and the stringy bark ranges came in upon the river so determinedly for many miles that we imagined for a long time there was no available country in that direction but mr cadden soon after discovered a small creek running into the river which would serve his purpose as a washing-place for his sheep in the event of the water in Bryant's creek failing which was considered more than probable he soon however deserted the outstation he formed there which was then taken possession of by messrs erquart and glendinning where they formed their head-station it is now held by mr mackintosh above him again mr d c simpson occupied both sides of the river immediately under the victoria range and adjoining what is now mr rose's station in the grampians this was not until 1843, in which year also Mr. Charles Sherratt, who had come from a station of Messrs. Heap and Grice's at Mount Alexander, arrived on the opposite side of the river to me, and occupied the frontage to it for many miles. He politely came to my hut, and asked me what I claimed, and took what I did not want below me mr de sally was in possession of the station now held by mr armitage having occupied it with sheep from van diemen's land for sir john owen about this time however the station got into chancery and in eighteen forty two was managed by mr george fairbairn who now has the adjoining stations of mather and Affleck, the latter having been admitted by me on to a part of my run during the winter of this year as they were old servants of my friends the Hunters, on the express condition that they should return the station to me when the weather would allow them to look for another. They, however, sold it in spite of me to my neighbors for fifty pounds. Below de Salee, Ricketts, who had been removed from the Buntingdale Mission Station on the Barwan, on its occupation by the natives, had, in 1841, taken up the stations now held by mr blair as well as those occupied on the opposite side of the glenelg by mr thomas hamilton of cootnerin and mr donaldson of longlands now messrs whittaker's mr norris whose compulsory abandonment of the wannon i have mentioned came next on the river taking up both sides with sheep belonging to mr thomas winter of van diemen's land this station, comprising the Pigeon Ponds and Chetwynd Country, was subsequently sold to Messrs. Carr and Swanston, and is now divided into two runs occupied by Messrs. Willis and Swanston, and Messrs. Staywell and Ellis. Mr. Gibson, who had first occupied Mr. Riley's station on the Wannon, came next on the river. Very little of the country which had not frontage to the main rivers was considered available at this time. It was not until eighteen forty four that Mr. John Airy sent a party, consisting of a Mr. Mann and his overseer, with about three thousand sheep, to look for country in my neighborhood. I had an indistinct notion, from various cattle hunts in that direction, that there must be plenty of good country to the northwest of me across the river, and advised them accordingly, and they returned to my station in a week having discovered the Mount Talbot country, which, if they had occupied all they could at the time, would have been one of the finest runs in the whole colony. The want of water was for a long time considered its only deficiency, though it is now covered with many immense lakes, several of which are from twelve to fourteen feet deep. In the summer of this year several others passed to the westward, and the new country, as it was called, was occupied by wallace hope bates ballantyne Macleod, etc the collisions with the blacks which i had heard of on almost every station after my arrival in the western district if they took place at all were kept very quiet there were certain hangers-on at stations tulla at the grange for instance who boasted of such encounters but it was generally believed that those who talked most knew least of such scenes their aggressions however whether avenged or not were not infrequent i had a horse which till his death would never go near a tree my stockkeeper, having been attacked by the blacks from behind one on another occasion the blacks were seen driving my cattle through a swamp and holding on by their tails and spearing them as they went i recollect a cow being brought into the stockyard stuck all over with spears like a porcupine we extracted them and she lived and fattened and was eventually sold fat in melbourne on my first settlement at englefield in tracking cattle i came upon a place where the blacks had within a few days camped some stolen sheep in bow yards and where the torn fleeces and broken legs and joints since gnawed by wild dogs told a tale of wasteful destruction it was scarcely to be wondered at that the settlers took the law into their own hands on such occasions whether it was fear or a better acquaintance with us which worked upon them it is difficult to say but about eighteen forty three four we heard no more of sheep-stealing in the neighborhood and the blacks who had always fought very shy of my station where cranky jem my hut-keeper had the reputation of being a good rifle shot, which was clearly proved by the holes in all the trees round where bullets had been cut out, commenced to come about and offer to strip bark and make themselves useful. They are not generally very much wanted on a cattle station, and I seldom encouraged their advances. Later, in 1845, I had a black boy named Bill from the Mount Rouse tribe who remained with me for about eighteen months when the summer amusements of his relatives and companions proved an irresistible temptation for him and he bolted i could however place implicit confidence in him and found him most obedient and docile and a great deal more cleanly in his person than most of the white men with whom he lived on one occasion i had taken him to geelong to bring back some cattle my stockkeeper was drowned at Fayen's Ford, and the cattle remained in the sole charge of Bill for a couple of days until assistance was sent to him. He watched them night and day and did not lose one. I have heard that he has since returned to the present proprietors of my station and is still a useful member of society. In the summer of 1842, I returned with a stockkeeper to the Devil's River to collect the leavings of my herd at lake repose near mount sturgeon i came upon major mitchell's tracks and followed the marks left by his heavy boat carriage across the hopkins plains to the fiery creek where i found my friends messrs stevens and thompson shearing their sheep under a tarpaulin and passing through the runs of the campbells and donald and hamilton slept in a shepherd's watch-box on mr irvine's run at the amphitheatre this was my first visit to the district for which i am now commissioner the waimara at this time was not occupied below clark's mr linott had taken up what was afterwards decameron for dr imlay irvine had crept in above him on the river and between him and messrs donald and hamilton disputing right and left in 1842 de Cameron was sold to mr james allen Cameron late of the thirteenth light dragoons for one thousand five hundred pounds who lately sold it to mr charles williamson for thirty thousand pounds below clark's which was managed by messrs pettit and francis the latter was killed by one of his own men with sheep from dowling forest originally brought from van diemen's land there was no head station though blow who originally occupied the allenvale country for mr sinclair of van diemen's land laid claim to what was subsequently sold to dr blundell and mrs green the latter run was bought for five hundred pounds and sold lately to mr macmillan for seventeen thousand pounds briggs from whom briggs's bluff and the grampians derives its name came next on the river having outstations near where the Four Posts Inn, or Glenorchy, now is. The lower part of the river was next taken up by Darlot in 1843, and after him, what he had passed through as valueless was occupied by Messrs. Taylor and Macpherson, who have since divided two of the finest runs in the district. Back from the river, on the Mackenzie Creek, messrs brodie and cruikshank took up about this time the wanwanda station now messrs splat and pincense below mr darlot major firebrace took up the vita station on the river disputing part of it with the messrs wilson who ultimately squeezed in between him and mr darlot about three miles below the present township of horsham and Messrs. Bailey and Hamilton took possession of Major Firebrace's leavings again lower down the river. Ellerman came in about twenty miles below Firebrace, holding his present run for Darlot, and Steiglitz first took up the beautiful country at Lake Hindmarsh, which is now divided between the Belchers and Atkinsons, etc. The northern part of the Waimara district, including the Mallee Runs, were not thought of till later grant who took up the mount Arapiles country was the first who found out their value in eighteen forty four and disposed of his interest in the present mount elgin station to major firebrace the murray avoca avon and richardson runs were all of later discovery in eighteen forty five i exchanged the englefield run for one near mount rouse to which we gave the name of the green hills the country about me had been all along settled excepting a small patch to the southwest of me into which a mr gibb managed to squeeze himself but the days of the early settlement of the colony may be said to have been over before this period edward bell Wymera, fifteenth september eighteen fifty three devil's river this country lying to the north of the upper goulburn river district and extending to the head of the broken river was first occupied in september eighteen thirty nine by messrs watson and hunter who in february eighteen forty formed their head station upon the devil's river at a place called by the natives wapang the original discoverers of this country were mr john hunter of the above firm and mr campbell of otter who entered it from the big hill near which at the head of the seven creeks templeton's station mr hunter had a station called bellora they could see from the top of the big hill range the open country of mount battery backed by mount bueller and the line of australian alps they eventually found the devil's river so called from hearing a black's corroboree upon its banks the night that they first camped upon it but their first station was at mount battery the whole of the country occupied now by messrs goodman and locke and malcolm and the head station at wapang which is now in the occupation of a working overseer named john bon, who landed from an emigrant ship in eighteen forty one without a rap were comprised within messrs watson and hunter's original station besides their cattle station on the broken river which extended to and took in mr moore's present station of barjang afterwards the arundel's homestead in eighteen forty one i had a license for a small station upon the south side of the devil's river below mr wow's station the author of three years experience in australia a pamphlet which galled half england and scotland in eighteen thirty nine and eighteen forty called mima Maluke but I gave it up in the month of November of that year to Mr. Alec Hunter, who afterwards sold it to a Mr. Sargentson. My first visit to this country was in January 1840, when the whole of this country was in Messrs. Watson and Hunter's hands. Edward Bell, Wymera, 12 August, 1853. Englefield, Glenelg River this station was formed by me and mr james riley in november eighteen forty one as a heifer station there was at the time no settler higher up the glen elg and we laid claim to the country which now is divided between mr lewis late cadden Stirling and fairbairn formerly mather a carpenter from melbourne who was killed in eighteen forty three by a falling tree and mackintosh it had been previously temporarily occupied by a mr norton but the blacks had killed so many of his sheep he was glad to desert it in eighteen forty two i gave up my claim to englefield and it was occupied by dr barker who sold it back to me for fifty pounds toward the end of that year in eighteen forty three mr cadden came with sheep and mr commissioner fyans followed him to take a large portion on my country from me, which I disputed till 1844, when we settled the affair amicably. In the same year I allowed Messrs. Affleck, who had been old servants of Messrs. Watson and Hunter's, to occupy the lower part of Mathers Creek, and in 1846 they tried to claim my whole run, but eventually sold the run I had lent them to Messrs. Sterling and Fairbairn for £50, pounds, having first tried to do me all the injury they could the natives were very troublesome until eighteen forty four my cattle were frequently found with spears in them and once the blacks were chased by my stockkeeper when they were hunting the cattle through a swamp i never however heard of any collision with the natives on that station in february eighteen forty six i exchanged this run with mr robert clerk for one called the green hills near mount rouse it is now occupied by mrs green of woodlands edward bell by twelfth august eighteen fifty three the green hills the original station of mumumberic of which the green hills formed a part was taken up in eighteen forty by mr matthew gibb for captain swanston it was afterwards about eighteen forty three sold to Mr. Robert Clerk, with whom I made an exchange for Englefield on the Glenelg River in 1846. Mr. John Cox, who occupied Mount Rouse, and Mr. Henry Best, who occupied Burchett's Run, and Messrs. Kemp, who occupied what was afterwards Chain's Station on Muston's Creek, were the original neighbors to this run. Edward Bell, Wymera, 12th August, 1853. End of section 34